Welcome to the Living In Podcast, a show that helps successful real estate teams accelerate their growth and impact. Livian, love how you live in all aspects of life. All right, so this week on the show, I'm joined by Travis Cox. And, and Travis, you know, you're someone who um, does a lot of different things right now. And and I want you kind of to unpack for the listener all of the things that you're doing because you have an atypical uh, path for a real estate agent. You're really like real estate entrepreneur. So for those that don't know you, uh, how would you describe yourself? Uh, I think I would describe myself as somewhat of a crazy person in terms of what I do on a daily basis. And what's funny is I'm also an introvert by heart too. So this makes what I'm doing all the more fun and interesting. And the best thing about what we're doing now is um, the multitude of things that you mentioned. I'm a CEO for a Libyan franchise here in Louisville, Kentucky, and Libyan, Libyan Impact. Uh, our team has nine agents, two staff members, and we're on track to do 225 units this year. And secondly, Greenstats, I'm the CEO and founder of a real estate um, application and platform that will help you track your production, as well as secondary profit and loss module that's MREA integrated. Uh, and thirdly, we started a mortgage company called Green Check Holdings as well. And uh, fourth, investing in real estate myself. So, um, fifth, I have three kids. We can just keep going. There you go. Okay. Um, which one takes more time? A software company, three kids, or um, running a real estate team? Dude, without a doubt, three kids. Okay. <laughs> without a doubt. And your kids are how old again? Because they're not, they're not like kids that can you know, manage themselves, right? They cannot. I have a four-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. And the four-year-old, she can manage herself to the point wow. that she can, you know, go potty and whatnot and watch movies by herself and ask for snacks every now and then. But outside of that, it's hands on deck. So your four-year-old is way more competent than than my five-year-old. Then if she's if she can hang out and watch movies by herself, mine gets bored too fast. Um, so what I heard you say is your wife um, is the one who has like the superpower at home. I'm guessing. I am absolutely nothing compared to what she does on a daily basis. Like all those businesses I mentioned mean nothing without her. So this is, uh, I'm, I'm small game here. Dude, I love that actually. I mean, I didn't plan to go that direction in our conversation, but, but I, but I did actually really do love hearing you say that. Um, and it's something I think that we don't talk about enough in, in our business, right? Is, you know, uh, podcasts and events and, and, you know, all these like trainings that happen within our industry, you usually see um, really high driving successful men and women. Um, and there's almost no one talking about who actually keeps the train running on time and, and the wheels on the track. There's just not enough attention given to what goes on um, in someone's personal life to be able to facilitate that. So what are some of those dynamics? Like what, you know, what, what does a day look like trying to manage three kids um, and having, you know, obviously amazing support from home, but how do you juggle all of that? It's tough sometimes. I'll be honest. It's not the easiest thing in the world. I mean, there's times where it gets really hard. There's times where it's the funnest thing in the world and you couldn't imagine doing anything different. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, it's really about communication. We communicate on such a high level that it doesn't become an issue for us. And even if we have little, you know, well, we're supposed to do this at this time and we have some miscommunications on scheduling and or time to get there and or whatever the case pops up. It's just talking through it makes it so much easier. So we've we communicate regularly every every night and every day about what we're doing the next day with the kids. OK, so unpack that a little bit, because I think that's interesting. So you said you communicate every every day. Um, is that about like 
hey, what was your day like? Or that's um, what's what's the chaos going to be like tomorrow? Unpack it a little more. Yeah. So more so, how's the day like? What was your feelings around it? You know, what can we do to make tomorrow better? Because as a parent, sometimes you have those those moments where you either lash out or do something uncharacteristic and, and respond to a situation in the wrong way, showing your kids the wrong thing. But you just got to get better tomorrow. Right. So we yeah. talk about what we did wrong, you know, and or the way we, we wanted to handle ourselves better. Um, we just did it yesterday. Actually, we, we got a little upset that one of our one of our kids was just uncontrollably crying for really no reason, uh, to be honest, which they do, which is OK. And uh, we we responded in a way that we didn't love. We just, you know, kind of dismissed it and shrugged it off. But we talked about it afterwards, like, hey, we really got to show her how to how to stop or how to understand your feelings and, and really go through that. So the next you know, today she did it this morning and we talked her through it. She quit crying in two minutes. So, yeah, it's something that um, it's not just communication with your spouse at home. It's the kids as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. So then are you are you guys like mapping out a week ahead of time or is it a everyday thing? I mean, part of this, the thing I love about this podcast is like, obviously the list, the goal is that the listener gets um, coaching and, and advice, but selfishly, I always say is the one who learns the most is me. And so with uh, in a similar situation, I'm always intrigued to know, like, how do, how do you how do you actually tactically keep it all together? So is that, you know, a week in advance and then we review every day or what does that look like? Yeah, good question. So we have a, a family calendar, just like okay. real estate on your calendar yep. doesn't exist. So I Tay, my wife has you know everything important that I don't need to miss on the calendar. And then uh, as far as what we're doing on a daily basis, it's just that night. That night before we wake up, we, we it's almost like creating your to-do list and brain dumping at nighttime, right? So we're really just talking about what's most important for tomorrow. What do we need to get across? Who do we need to help the most? And uh, what we're going to eat down to that, actually. Yeah, of so, course. Yeah. We go off track all the time, though. So don't I don't want to act like I'm the most <laughs> put together person in the world. But yeah, we definitely talk about it like we are. So we'll say that. Yeah. So it's not like you've got a, a planner that you're going through just checking boxes of of making sure that everything is streamlined. I'm guessing that you've built in some efficiencies and things like that. And part of my, part of the reason why I asked that, too, is, you know, one of our one of our goals um, and and kind of current initiatives from a living standpoint is, is that what we what we believe is that, you know, when you come together as a community of leaders, that everyone accelerates their growth by by collaborating rather than competing. And so, um, you know, in 2023, we're launching Livian Family as um, really as a network to help each other um, navigate through the, the challenges of scaling businesses while also having healthy families, right? And so, um, so I think it's interesting just to kind of unpack some of those uh, nuances of how to do that. So, um, all right, so we've got the three kids and that, that take up the most amount of the, the management and work, but you mentioned a software company. How does somebody just wake up and go, you know, I sell houses, but today I'm going to start a software company instead? Yeah, that that's a, that was an interesting decision, and it's it's interesting every day. It becomes more interesting as we go. But I will tell you that uh, the year I, I sold 101 houses by myself two years ago, and I, our team had sold 86 uh, by them, you know, outside of me. So our team in total was 187, right? And yeah, uh, we were using three different systems and three different softwares to reconcile the business every month, and sometimes up to five, depending on the if you count Excel spreadsheet and Microsoft yeah. uh, tools. So I, I was just really frustrated, and I, I wanted to create something that could work for our team. And previous years before, I wanted to create an app 
for profit and loss for realtors because I was in a ton of tax debt, a whole lot. And I, I know you know the story, Eric, but yeah. um, we won't bore everyone with it, I guess. No, but. I mean, no, I actually think it would be beneficial for other people to hear. Tell me about that because yeah. you're, you're not the first or the last real estate agent to be in tax debt, I bet. Absolutely not. So, <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell the story then. So, at it, I got in real estate when I was 19. Uh, I did not want to be in real estate. My dad really made me get into real estate. I say that <laughs> full heartedly. My dad made me. I love it now. So don't get me wrong. But uh, my dad made me get into real estate because I had little to no direction in college. I wanted to be a writer, an FBI agent, all these fun things that you know may or may not pay enough to fund the big life I wanted to have. And uh, got into real estate. I, you know, just pandering around did 13 deals uh, as a 19 year old not really trying. And I asked him at the end of the year, I said, Hey, I want to go out on my own. I was hoping he'd say no, because then I was like, great, I'm going to quit and I'm going to write fancy football articles and be a fancy <laughs> football millionaire. You know, I don't <laughs> forget That's real hard. estate. So instead of saying no, he says yes. And I was like, Oh, I'm not going to say the word, but <laughs> yeah. oh crap. Um, and it, he told me, Hey, it's going to be hard. You're probably going to fail. And he knew what he was doing. He was lighting a fire under me because it worked That's and awesome. I heard you're going to fail and I took it personal. And all I did the next year before I could even drink a beer was go out and sell 32 houses and make 112 grand as a 20 year old. Wait, you were 20 and you went out and you sold how many again? 32 houses and made 112 okay. grand. Okay. And that that's because you were pissed off basically that uh, somebody doubted your capacity to actually do it? In some ways, yes. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, Halfway so through what, that motiv day. what motivates you? Okay. Yeah, that does motivate me for sure. <laughs> um, and especially a 20 year old who has no clue what they're yeah. doing in life. And someone tells them no, and you're, you're going to go fix it. So uh, $112,000 later, I, I have like a $22,000 tax bill. And I, honestly, that excited me. I was like, I make enough money to pay 22 grand in taxes. This is so cool. Yeah. I fell in love with real estate over that course of the year and I paid my taxes. I, I just about drained my bank account because I spent all my money on dumb stuff, you know, as a 20 year old to do. And then at 21, uh, I actually increased to 200 plus thousand dollars. And then my tax bill was 40 grand and I didn't have enough money to pay it because again, I spent my money on 21 year old things. So uh, party and having fun, whatever. And the next year it went to $300,000 and the bill got higher and I didn't pay it again. And next thing you know, I look up and I've got 60 to, to $70,000 of tax debt that I've got to figure out how to pay off. And the worst part about that is I had no one who taught me how to manage any of this. I, I, I didn't know who to reach out to. I didn't, which is, it still falls on me, right? I, I, I needed to know those things. I should have found those things out. So I'm not making any excuses, but it just, it's, it's almost like a taboo thing in real estate. No one talks about it. It's, it's weird. So with little what's to no, taboo about it? I think, I think what's taboo about it is the fact that people don't want to know they're either losing money, uh, um, trying to, you know, they don't want to talk about their intact step for sure. I didn't want to yeah. talk about it. I yeah. didn't it, half the reason why I didn't find a path quicker is because I didn't want to tell anybody I was in tax. Mm. That's good. That's rich. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what I hear is this is an image business. And so anything that, I mean, life, life is image, right? Oftentimes, but oh, what I really hear is that like you did that most people don't want to communicate the fact that maybe the, the reality of the business doesn't look like what it's portrayed to look like. That and how bad does it look that you're making $300,000 and can't pay a $60,000 tax bill? That sounds terrible. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. So, 
it, it was really an optics thing to some degree in a, in a, you know, a pride thing. Uh, and I got over it eventually. Right. So I found someone who helped me understand it better. I fired three different CPAs in the course of two years, wow. just okay. trying to get ideas. I, most CPAs that I talked to were just, here's the book. Here's how I do it. I don't want to talk to you until April. And when I do talk to you, you better have everything ready or I don't want to talk to you again. So, so no tax advice, no tax consulting, no tax mitigation, no tax strategy, no planning or anything. I actually, for the first time in probably three years, I finally found someone who is wanting to meet, like he's blowing me up, asking me to meet with him. That's which awesome. Is, it's amazing. I, much, much different. But I found someone to help me at least get me on the right path. And then I started researching my butt off. I, I was on IRS.gov more than anybody that probably cares to be. And <laughs> I wanted to oh, know come. everything like What's that? What? Why? Like, what? What made you? What, nobody wakes. Most people don't wake up and go, "Yeah, you know what I want to learn about is taxes." I, I mean, I, I do, that. but don't get me I, wrong. Like, no, no, I don't know too many other people that do. So, what made you want to do that? I had no money. I owed a lot of money, and I wanted to figure out how to get out of it with the least amount of money, least amount of money owed as possible. Yeah. So I tried everything. We talked to everyone. Eventually, we got a plan together, and then I started budgeting my money and only because a friend in the office gave me this Excel spreadsheet that just said expenses and profit, nothing else. Okay. I had the income on the top, the total income, expenses yeah. in the middle with no categories or subcategories, just list them out. And then yeah. it goes down to your profit at the end. And that was my introduction to profit and loss. Before that, it sounds crazy. As a 23, four and five year old, I had no clue what a profit and loss was. I didn't yeah. even care to know either. I just knew I was making a lot of money every month. And didn't care what happened after that, as long yeah. as I can make it again next month. And the, the key indicator, Eric, was if I had 10 pendings, eight to 10 pendings, I didn't care what happened. I could, yeah. I'll buy whatever, it doesn't matter. So, <laughs> um, so once I got that profit and loss, I really set out to understand it. I started adding more to it. I started to figure out how to actually formulate it. And then I got a plan to get myself out of tax debt. And I did it in three years, all the way out while still adding tax debt every year, right? I'm still making money. So I'm, I'm still adding tax debt as we go. I started to pay quarterlies the right way. I started to do everything like you're supposed to. I've got an LLC, an S-Corp, whole nine yards. And then I had this idea like, hey, I, there's just as you said earlier, there's no way I'm the only person that's ever went through this. How do I figure out how to help other people get out of it? Because it was a very passionate topic for me. I felt so jaded that the real estate industry had no clue how to teach realtors how to get out of tax debt and or avoid just tax avoid debt. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the that's a better word. How to avoid tax debt. Yeah. So, so, so green that's where green stats comes into play then I assume, right? It is. That's uh I, I, I had this idea to create an app to really just make a base level realtor specific profit and loss. Went to a developer, they told me it was a crazy dumb idea. You're never gonna make any money. Okay. So, but I didn't necessarily want to make money. I wanted to, I, obviously there's always a goal in mind to do that. But at the end of the day, I wanted to create an app for me and for others to use. And um, as he said, no, I continue to sell more and more houses, went crazy with the, with the career on that side, really paid my taxes the correct way going forward. And I, I kept notes of what I would like to see in a platform. Should I ever create one again? And I'll never forget one day, my wife, I came home, I was super frustrated. I spent about three hours trying to figure out if the money I was spending on a certain source was worth it or not. And okay. I used like four different tools to do it. And I came home and I was like, this is ridiculous. I need my app. I didn't know what it was called yet, but I need my app. I want to create it. 
And my wife says, and this is why the wife is so important. Like, like I was telling you earlier that she's way cooler than me. She says, <laughs> <laughs> she said, well, you quit whining about it. If you're not going to create it, someone else will. I'm tired of hearing it. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that night I put on Facebook, I'm looking for app developers with a pitch that I have. Please reach out to this, uh, you know, me on DMs and or email. And within, I don't know, 36 hours, I had calls from every country on this planet. I didn't even put my phone number on it. But Did there you was, just put it on your like Facebook profile, just like your random page? My, my personal Facebook profile. And they got my number somehow and I got calls. And how did you, up. how did you get, how do people just randomly find you? I'm guessing you weren't just like following a bunch of programmers or developers. Like how did that not, word travel? I'm, I'm pretty sure that these programmers are smarter than us and they understand okay. <laughs> there's a way to go out and find contact information and search for keywords. So <laughs> these guys, um, they, they were calling me from everywhere. I interviewed 30 plus developers in a matter of two weeks landed on our developer Samyaton, shout out to them, and really started building green sets. It, it's, uh, it's been two years now, and it's been one of the most challenging, frustrating, enjoyable, happiest, you know, and journeys of my life so far. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And so um, to kind of put a bow on that, I mean, it, we, you know, we've talked about it, but it's like the idea of profit and loss, um, unfortunately isn't a sexy concept right um in our industry right we've done a we've done a poor job as an industry of of reminding real estate agents that they do operate a business and most businesses have profit and loss and yet that word feels overwhelming like when i'm working with a buyer or a seller or i'm teaching an agent right i'm not telling them to use the word mortgage when you meet a first-time home buyer, you don't you don't use mortgage or industry-related jargon unless you want to overwhelm someone with the the fear of what the process is, right? We we kind of simplify or dumb things down in order to make change um, more simple and and more conducive. So, if you were to unpack what a profit and loss is for a real estate agent who has a has a limiting belief around why they need one or if they don't keep one what's the real goal of having a profit and loss or the real goal of what green stats is without using that profit and loss concept yeah so you know i think green stats is great because you can use green stats to understand your business on a higher level first just by understanding where you are in terms of key performance indicators like units volume you know uh, net gci listings taken to understand that first is is key and important and i want to make that clear you can use green stats for just production tracking and still have an incredibly useful tool that will give you insights on your own data that you haven't seen elsewhere yet when you throw in that profit and loss which is again not a very sexy word and, and phrase to use however when you throw it in you truly understand whether you own a business or not Without a profit and loss, you do not own a business. I think that's important to know. One, if you don't have profit, I'm not sure you want to own your business. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, and two, the expenses and the income, the gross revenue can be indicators of where you need to go and where you need to get to to understand if your business, again, is, is worth owning. Because at the end of the day, we all want to have a business worth owning. That's what we, that's what we want. And it's yeah. impossible to know without knowing. Just it is what it is. Uh, so to make it, I guess to sound <laughs> to sound more sexy in in some ways, I would say that Green Sets really helps you helps you figure out your total net profit 
Let's forget the word profit and loss or praise. Let's just figure yeah. out what your net GCI and profit is at the end of the day. Yeah. We, yeah. We so one of the things that I like about it is that, um, that you know, is that it's it basically I'm hearing you get say real time sales insights and you get real time income insights. Talk to me a little bit about um, I love this idea. To my knowledge, one of the only one of the only companies that does um, this real time like income um, calculation through, through really some of your integrations, right? Is everything else seems to be like through QuickBooks and I've got to use all these third party softwares but with green snaps, right? I can actually, I can actually connect it to, to my bank and get real time income, um, insights. Is that, am I, am I tracking? You are. Yeah. So you can, you can, uh, connect through our third party integration with Yodly and you log it straight into your bank account. You can even log into Venmo, PayPal and all major credit cards. And so I could drive Uber and sell houses and, and get my Venmo and, and, and whatever yeah. else and get it real time. Okay. I yeah. So it. you can pull over all of your expenses and, and start to track it with a realtor specific profit and loss. And we have all of the categories and subcategories of the MREA in green stats preloaded for you. So you're really running a realtor specific profit and loss when you do it. You're not trying to learn how to make it look more like a realtor specific profit and loss on all the other sites you mentioned between QuickBooks, FreshBooks, yeah. and everywhere else you yeah. go. Know, at the end of the day, the tool that is most useful is a tool that you're using. That's just is what it is. And if we're having to learn how to use our tool, we're probably not gonna use it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we, want, we wanted to make it way more user-friendly than we've seen with other industry tools. Man, it's interesting that you say that because I um, I manage you know per, I manage our personal finances almost I don't know almost every day not every day but close to it you know, a couple of days a week minimum and um, and what I've found is I've used a lot of different tools and a lot of different apps you know I've used QuickBooks and Mint and any of the others you can think of and the user interface and the the ease of of automation and integration is the difference between whether i do it on a regular basis or whether i do don't do it at all right and so i love that the fact that it integrates with a more streamlined interface for agents to actually use to understand what their real estate sales income looks like absolutely i mean that's you're pulling you're pulling the income straight from your bank account we're not guessing based on the deals because sometimes what we see is when you try to go run your profit and loss you have what the deal should have given you, but you some calculation somewhere got messed up from your MCA to you to when you actually got the check in your bank account. But we're we're running profit and loss with what's in your banking account. We're getting very low level, very easy to use. What did you make? Not what you should have made and where the calculations were missed. Uh, we want to know what actually got deposited into your bank account. That's actually what you have to pay your taxes or that's actually what you have to pay your mortgage with, right? Is what actually got deposited, not what, um, not what you thought your GCI would be. So I love that. Um, how are you, how are you seeing traction as far as like, um, as far as like feedback and, and what real estate agents have been able to do with, with being able to have insights now into, into their, into their numbers? Yeah, we've we've had a couple of really cool success stories already. And, and what's more interesting is they, they got up and spoke about it unannounced at bold a couple of times, which is great. Nice. Uh, the, the big, the couple of big things are one agent uh, talked to me about, Hey, a lender came to me and said that, you know, I, I don't want to keep spending money with you because you're not giving me enough deals. So he goes straight to the vendor report on green stats, pulls up every single deal he's done this year and how many went to that specific lender. And it was like 98% of his wow. <laughs> buyer, buyer size over the last six months. So he was like, Hey man, um, I don't know where you're getting this at, but <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. We continue to work together unless you don't want to. So that, that was one cool success story. The second one is I have another realtor who is paying for quite a bit of leads on a uh, third party source uh, for, through zip codes. And he wanted to figure out if it was worth it or not. So he goes to the sales location report, puts in the zip codes and filters by the zip codes that he's paying for, filters by the source that, that the leads are coming from, and boom, spits out the amount of deals he's done in those zip codes alone. Uh, found out that some of those zip codes weren't really worth it anymore. Yeah. Maybe yeah. changing his business model. So the sales location report, I want to, I do, I do want to spotlight that just for a second is that's something that I wanted desperately in my own business and I haven't found it elsewhere. If it is somewhere, I, I stand corrected. However, yeah, it, I'm not it's, something that, um, it's something that was super important for me because I was using an Excel spreadsheet, my source data, uh, my, my CTE account, everything to figure out if the source was worth it or not. And we can do it in a couple of buttons with, with green stats. Even if you're farming a neighborhood and you want to know if that farm's paid off one, we can go to green sets and see, well, that neighborhood's not making you any money. However, the neighborhood up the street is maybe you should start farming that one. Yeah. That's something that the, that the sales location report really stands out for. And those who are doing geo farming, even if you're spending a lot of money in a couple of different zip codes, and you're not really seeing your return. However, the other zip codes that you're really great at, maybe we should allocate more funds to those zip codes instead for geo farming. So there's all kinds of great things that can come out of the sales location report. Yeah, I love that too. Especially if you think about the um, the the lender that you you referenced in the first story is like here's a lender who's making like gut intuitive decisions and thinking that they're operating um, their marketing budget effectively. And yet then we've got somebody who's actually using data driven decision making who goes, well, the data says, actually, you couldn't be more wrong. Your, your gut intuition is actually incredibly flawed. Here's the here's the real time data um, that 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 lender is actually pretty fortunate that the agent had insights and data because he could have lost one of their, his best customers. Right. Um, you think about who should actually be a customer at that point. Yeah. Recency bias always bites everybody. It's just what it does. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's also incredibly useful for if you're using vendors, not just lenders, but title companies, insurance agents, inspectors in the Jeans Rivers fashion, go to them and ask for business. If you find yeah, that you're yeah. getting most of their business with them, go ask for business. You should be doing that. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Um, so if somebody else is thinking about starting a tech company um, or that somebody else is thinking about starting all of these, you know, you've run in uh, multiple different businesses and clearly you're a serial entrepreneur. Um, what's the biggest challenge that, that you encounter in being a serial entrepreneur or someone who who just is incredibly passionate about about businesses? What to focus on next. OK, how to how to manage your interaction between each business. I was thinking about it this morning, actually. It's, you know, with everything that you have to do, my mind kind of flips. It's almost a switch. It's like, okay, now it's this person's turn. And now it's this business's turn. And now it's this business's turn. So it's really just, uh, it goes back to even what I was talking about earlier with communicating with my wife. It's just communicating almost to yourself on your calendar and your notes app wherever to really allocate time in these specific areas and what those areas are. So just like when we say the word lead generation, it means a million things. Oh, yeah. You can say, let's focus on green stats today, but what do I do next? <laughs> so yeah. my mind's there, but what's the task? So more so, you know, really figuring out what to do when and then where to go when you're on that specific business. 
What I heard you say is it's 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 like outlining and and determining what's the most expensive problem to solve, and what's yes. the most expensive problem to solve in that vertical today or that bucket of life. Um, how how are you parsing that out to make that decision? What's that mental model you work through? It was tough to start when I first started the technology company because it's you get all this feedback and you want to please everybody, and that's the hard part is which feedback is helpful, which is something that's a waste of time and something that isn't really, you know, solving a high level problem or a high dollar amount problem. So the, the best way to do it is, is really to write down the, the task at hand, the problems at hand and circle the ones that either make you the most, mean the most, or will help the most. And that's, that's really it. Okay. So you're documenting what has basically the most, um, most impact Either that's bottom line or or user experience, customer experiment, um, and what what did you say the other one was? What means the most? <laughs> means the mo matters or means the most. So okay, our, our dev team and I will we'll collaborate and we put priority levels, and they really are those three those three things in mind. What means the most? What makes the most? And what um, what solution are we solving the, the the most here? Those three things in mind. It's how we prioritize. So one through five, yeah. all those three all those three things hit for a five. If one or two of those things hit, we're a three, four, one or two. So that's really the system that we're using now to, to prioritize the yeah. task in hand. And then um, I actually love this because this really um, takes me down the road of thinking about project management, which is one of the, which is one of the like realms of specialization that real estate agents um, neglect to actually go research and study and think that like project management is just like intuitive, that there's no, I don't know, science and in um, doctorate programs around, right? Um, or that they couldn't study others around project management modeling. Um, one of the biggest challenges around project management is around time estimation, right? Or timeline estimation is, what's the system that you guys have to try to um, determine how long an initiative may take? You know, we always we always overestimate. That's a, okay. that's a that's one key thing that I've noticed is is huge because when you underestimate and you get to the point where it should be done and you're six months off, that's probably a problem. <laughs> yeah. We have more problems now. So overestimating is key. I think the second and important thing is you know when you're trying to figure out the amount of time that you're going to spend on a task, uh, one you need to prioritize why it's important. <laughs> we need to figure out if it's even something that we should be spending time on. But two, yeah. think about every single task that goes along with that larger, you know, title of task and figure out what your hours look like and, and when you can work on it. That's, that's when it really gets tough is, and that's what I meant earlier by, you know, how do you, how do you focus between on the next thing and the next thing is, yeah, I've, I've got all these things I can focus on and, and really understand for uh, the time on task here, but it's hard to estimate in your head really how many hours it will take to do specific tasks inside of a larger task. So I'm rambling, but the, I'll say that overestimate. That's the, that's okay. the are, you, are you putting like inanimate objects on your, on your timelines or like sizes or anything when you're estimating time? Uh, yeah. So the, the larger projects, obviously we automatically go to three months out. That's automatically okay. the thing. If it seems larger than three months, we're, we're pushing to six, but we, gotcha. we're almost working in three month increments. Okay. I didn't know if it was like small, medium, large, double XL, something like that. Um, and then, and then there was like an impact rating or any, anything you're following as far as that's concerned. Yeah, we've got 
through five. And then we also have the uh, green, yellow, and, and orange. So green is a uh, easy, easy, quick task. Uh, the Got yellow, it. Uh, we need caution. It might take some time. And orange is, it's going to be a while. <laughs> okay. So I, I, I love that. So that's perfect, right? So that's super granular. Um, and to build a tech company and actually have it launched and have it done with people who don't live in the same city that you live in, right? It's not like you guys office together, right? You're talking about you're talking about communication barriers. You're talking about yes. talking about what your vision is to someone who maybe English isn't even their predominant language. You, there's a system of efficiency and effectiveness that that I'm guessing that you found. So I love that you shared what that is, that one through five, and then that color coding. Yeah, for sure. We're on two different continents. So there's definitely lots of challenges. It's uh, it's fun. And there's also the time zones. It's, so think about Eric working on a specific, a specific task that you have in mind and time blocking for it and then doing it on GMT time. <laughs> I don't even know what GMT time is. So I didn't know before I started the company either. So it's something uh, that it requires you to stay up until three or four in the morning. Let's put that. <laughs> That's hilarious. So yeah. okay. So which creates a whole different, a whole different challenge, right? Is um, is <laughs> is that? Um, but the interesting thing though is I would think is that going through this software development process is um, how has it impacted your ability to be a better leader or to implement in your real estate sales business? Yeah, that's a great question. I've learned how to be patient, to be honest. Uh, okay. Patience is is key. I mean, they, this the app was supposed to be done last year, and it's not. And it's you got to be patient to to get it out. And tech takes time. And then in What's real the estate, what, what, how come you were willing to be patient though? Like, uh, unpack that a little bit. What was it that you? Because you probably could. Could you have rushed it out? Yeah, but the once you rush it out, and you know you have one shot to impress, right? You've got one shot to keep your user base to get them on and then keep them engaged. And if the functions and the promise that you say it has aren't there, if the quality isn't up to speed with what your own expectations are, it's probably not a good time to do it. So I more so when I, when I say patience, trust me, I wanted to launch it. I wanted yeah, to go, yeah, I wanted yeah. to get it done. But when I was testing it, I was like, man, I'm not delivering on the promise that we're marketing on. It's just, it's not there. So. Yeah waiting until that was ready and waiting until that was that was hit those expectations were met was was key and and i think it's for the best now that we've we have a quicker you know jump to the the, the users that we do have than i expected because of uh that patience and then carrying it over to real estate just having patience with as a team owner having patience with you know what it looks like to get agents up and running what it looks like to run through all of your lead generation models and tools and systems with new people um, and or new recruits and then what it looks like to recruit and do deals and work with your clients it's just everything goes back to patience at the end of the day and if you're able to really calm yourself down and understand that people don't move when you want them to move and they don't work when you want them to work figuring out where you fall into place with with that system and each person helps you i think in business tremendously